greetings everybody so today our topic i have decided it is something really important regarding medicine endocrinology as well as physiological part so i'll be discussing one of the important hormones of the posterior pituitary that is vasopressin all right so let me tell you a brief introduction about posterior pituitary it is also it, it carries a neurohypophyseal relationship with the uh, hypothalamus via stalk pituitary stalk all right these hormones are synthesized and stored in the pituitary and they are released whenever required all right and let me tell you one more thing embryologically posterior pituitary is just a downgrowth of a third ventricle it's a downgrowth of third ventricle it does not arises from pouch of rathke or rathke's pouch all right so let us start with the discussion what is uh, adh adh is also called as uh, vasopressin also called as arginine vasopressin abbreviated as adh or avp it is produced from supraoptic nucleus or paraventricular nucleus of hypothalamus so mark this word supra supraoptic nucleus or paraventricular nucleus because it is going to help us in later term supraventricular nucleus or hypothalamic nucleus so what's the point of discussing it here let me i'll we'll we'll do we'll we'll uh, have a look later so how it is synthesized it is the supraoptic nucleus releases preproarginine vasopressin it releases preproarginine vasopressin which releases three things that is neurohypophyseal into copeptin as well as adh whereas adh is a workable thing the functions of other two is not known yet what are the receptors of adh adh will work on numerous receptors like numerous means numerous amazing it has a amazing receptor spectrum let me talk about the receptor spectrum the, which is very important the one is v1a v2 and v3 v3 is also called as v1b all right so that is v1a v2 v3 is also called as v1b when i talk about v1a it is present on the many of the things that is blood vessels platelets liver uterus and myocardium all right yes it is present on myocardium as well so v1 the impacts of vasopressin via v1 can be amazing even a i mean not v1 it's v1 a for blood vessels it will cause vasoconstriction for platelet it causes platelet aggregation for liver it causes it causes glycogenolysis that is lysis of glycogen glycogenolysis mark my words it is a very potential mcq uterus it causes constriction myocardium it causes hypertrophy so these are things let me repeat it again v1a present on blood vessels causing constrictions platelets causing aggregation liver causing glycogenolysis apart from which uterus causes contraction and myocardium causes hypertrophy now let's talk about uh talk about v2 v2 is present in endothelium which helps in release of von willebrand factor also therefore helping in platelet adhesion so v1 and v2 directly indirectly are involved in platelet adhesion now let me talk about v3 which is also called as v1b don't forget which is also called as v1b all right where it is going to act it is going towards the anterior pituitary side is it very interesting right working on the same gland and increases acth release all right so it is going to cause a acth release what are the functions of adh functions that is adh that is adh anti diuretic hormone diuresis is what diuresis is loss of water from the body so it stops the water that means it absorbs the free water solutory water that means there are two things one is aldosterone other one is adh 
what adh does is adh uh, in uh, absorbs free water that is solute free that means no mechanism of sodium absorption via adh but when it's aldosterone it causes sodium and water retention all right sodium and water retention i hope i'm clear so that's the thing and how come does it uh, how how come does it performs first of all adh is a non filtrable thing so it uh, goes it enters from the efferent exits through efferent gets into the peritubular capillaries acts on p cells which increases cmp p cells are the principal cells of the cortical collecting duct and increases cmp cmp badhne ki wajah se on increasing cmp it increases aquaporin expression and what sort of aquaporin expression that is aquaporin 2 aquaporin 2 is very important for the for the uh, absorption of free water all right because uh and let me try uh and this is the, this type of uh, absorption is called as facultative water absorption what is facultative it is it is dependent on adh or under the action of adh and it acts on collecting duct whether it, whether uh, otherwise there is a obligatory water reabsorption what is obligatory water reabsorption that means this water absorption has to take place no matter whatever the condition of body is it happens in pct right it happens in pct and as the aquaporins involved in uh, obligatory is aquaporin 1 and aquaporin 7 whereas whereas in facultative absorption it is aquaporin 2 this is a very important mcqs so i hope we don't make it wrong let's move ahead let's talk about aquaporins pct consists of aquaporin 1 and 7 aquaporin 2 is consists on the apical membrane Aquaporin 2 is consists of this present on the apical membrane, whereas aquaporin 3 and 4, aquaporin 3 and 4 are present on the basolateral side of the collecting duct, and aquaporin 5 has no role in kidney. So the question can be asked which of the following aquaporins has no role in kidney? That is, that is aquaporin 5. 3 and 4 are in basolateral. 2 is part of apical membrane, and PCT consists of aquaporin 1 and aquaporin 7. So this is what we are done with. Now let me tell you one more thing. Uh, so uh, why ADH is coming into the play? Why ADH is doing all these sort of things and absorbing free water? First thing, the first function is the the the, the process of releasing a concentrated urine, right? So uh, this is because of ADH secretion only. But to need but to give adh a functioning environment we need three important things versus medullary osmotic osmo, uh, medullary interstitial osmolarity second is urea and third is vasa recta vasa recta all right so what i want to say is functioning vasa recta because vasa recta is a place where adh comes to play right where adh performs and attaches back into p cells and all so in in any case vasa recta is not functional the function of adh would be hampered so let me discuss it again uh, adh needs three things for its function that is medullary osmo uh, medullary interstitial osmolarity other is urea urea maintains the osmost uh, osmotic inter- interstitial osmolarity and the third is vasa recta that is also helps it and what is the mechanism by which all these three comes into the play that is counter current exchange that is counter current exchange
reaching upon to the counter current exchange mechanism now let me tell you about two things the one is sodium levels so in in a in a basic manner sodium levels or or hyper or hyponatremia both of them are disorders of water metabolism that means sodium has nothing to do with the uh, any sort of levels in hyper or hyponatremia let me make it clear again both hypo and hypernatremia are the disorders of water metabolism all right so before looking into this particular disorder let us have a look of serum osmolarity formula that is it is 2 into sodium plus blood glucose upon 18 plus blood urea nitrogen upon 2.8 that is something very vague to discuss on a podcast but it is really important that means it is just to really make you realize that sodium is a very big contributor for the serum osmolarity it is a very big complicate co- contributor of sodium osmolarity so which leads to the osmolarity of 285 to 290 milliosmoles in a human body let me tell you one thing when there is low osmolality in the body sodium would be low if the sodium and that is called as true hyponatremia that is low osmolality and low sodium but if sodium is low but osmolality is normal or high it is called as pseudo hyponatremia so let me uh, clear it again when osmolality and sodium both are low it is true hyponatremia but when sodium is low and osmolality is normal it is called as pseudo hyponatremia high sodium can never be uh, high sodium is never equal to high osmolality that means if i try to apply the equation we studied to few seconds before it's not going to be a vice versa situation that means it doesn't means that if uh, the patient is having high sodium it is always going to have a high osmolarity i hope i am clear osmolarity normally is less than or between 285 to 290 and adh levels help in maintaining the osmolarity how come it is happening the first mechanism by which uh, osmolarity is maintained is by supraventricular the same thing supraventricular uh, uh, supraventricular nucleus which will stimulate two different different centers on increasing the osmolarity by 5 milliosmoles adh comes into play increasing adh secretion it causes free water absorption and osmolar and normalizes the osmol- osmolarity or osmolarity but still if doesn't if it doesn't comes into the consideration and, and still osmolarity is not controlled and osmolarity keeps on increasing a supra optic nucleus again the osmolar uh, osmoregularity center will be activated of the supra optic nucleus that means what we discussed about supra optic nucleus or supra ventricular nucleus few minutes back that is coming that that is generalized as but it can help as a osmotic controller of the body right in terms of uh, activating the thirst the thirst center so uh, which will activate the thirst mechanism or drinking water mechanism and causing free water reabsorption which will make the osmolality normal so high sodium is equals to high osmolality it is only possible it is only possible in neurosurgery cases all right why i'm saying that it is possible in neurosurgery cases adh is a part of pituitary adh is secreted by pituitary or it has something to do with pituitary right and if adh is not able to control the uh, osmolarity thirst or water mechanism comes into play so if i have i have a neurosurgery case consideration that means a patient is suffering with a head injury and is in a state of coma that's why the patient is not in a state to have water all right so uh, due to pituitary pituitary apoplexy adh is also not released which is leading to hypernatremia otherwise hypernatremia is rare okay and uh, there is one more thing that is this is of a hypothalamus which causes damage to osmoregulatory center 
and centers of supraoptic nucleus that means no radiation no thrust this is called as adipocic hypernatremia adipocic hypernatremia what i'm trying to say is that uh, in a disease with the unknown mechanism the damage to osmoregulatory centers of supraoptic nucleus which damages the adh secretion or adh action as well as the thrust action so therefore there is a increase levels of hypernatremia so what i want to say is uh, let us compare it let us uh, 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 confirm it again low sodium levels with uh, low sodium levels can have low osmolality but high osmolality and high sodium levels cannot be the case okay so this is the thing because as soon as the osmolality increases adh increases and brings osmolality to normal so i hope i am clear if adh is released by a low os with a low osmolality thing and how come it is possible it is possible when the patient suffers with si adh up to till now what we have seen we have seen that adh comes into the play on increasing osmolality of the body but if some pathology happens and adh secretes secreted irrespective of the osmolality of the body or in the low osmolality of the body it is going to be si adh that is syndrome of inappropriate secretion of adh what are the different causes of adh first of all it is going to be a increased adh state increased adh state means increased absorption of water increased absorption of water means relatively lower sodium level and what are the causes head injury the first one second is paraneoplastic that is squamosal carcinoma of lung carcinoma of duodenum pancreas and thymoma third are drugs five chlor drugs what are five chlor drugs chloropropamide clofibrate uh, chloro uh, cyclophosphamide and chloropromazine so chloropropamide clofibrate cyclophosphamide and chloropromazine apart from which tca ssri vincristine and as well as oxytocin oxytocin is something important which should be remembered apart from which necrotizing pneumonias meningoencephalitis and porphyria so what we can uh, learn here is different uh, pan- paraneoplastic states different drugs that is uh, carbamazepine cyclophosphamide chloropromazine chloropropamide oxytocin and the important one to remember is intermittent porphyria i would request you to repeat again with me so that you can recall of what we have heard now what is the criteria of diagnosing the things to to criteria to the, the the criteria to diagnose the si adh it includes five important criteria the first one is serum osmolality should be low and the urine osmolality should be more than serum osmolality two things low serum osmolality and apart from it it should be less than urine osmolality the patient should be clinically u volumic because when the patient is clinically u volumic ras system will not be secreted when there is no ras no aldosterone and since no aldosterone no sodium retention so urinary sodium will be more than 20 ml equivalents per liter and apart from which all of these uh, absence of pituitary adrenal thyroid renal and liver all these diseases are to be ruled out that is pituitary adrenal thyroid renal and liver all these diseases are to be ruled out and there is no cause of uh, this uh, electrolyte abnormality with these particular things this is called as syndrome syndrome of siadh or syndrome of inappropriate 
inappropriate atrial secretion right so let's move ahead it's about something that is diabetes insipidus so what is diabetes insipidus sadh has too much of adh uh, uh, diabetes insipidus has no adh so no adh can be two reasons the first is no secretion of adh that is central diabetes insipidus another is resistance to the receptors of uh, adh that is called as uh, peripheral or nephrogenic diabetes insipidus and what are the main symptoms it is going to be the patient present with polyuria what is polyuria more than 50 ml of uh, 50 ml per kg of urine in 24 hours more than 50 ml per kg of urine in 24 hours or 3.5 ml so uh, i'm sorry 3.5 liters of urine in 24 hours this is something really important but polyuria how uh, can it be a part of it so the, the main important thing is it should be a diuretic condition so uh, it should be a diuretic condition that means uh, how let us look into it the polyuria or the increased water uh, loss is a sort of two things the sort of two types that is solute diuresis and water diuresis solute diuresis is just like the the particular solute is extracting the water and le- leading it to the leading it to the diuresis that is uh, t- for example tubular injury where the, t- the water absorption is not uh, up to the mark due to injury mannitol which, uh, which extracts the water into the lumen or urinary dipstick positive for glucose because glucose also is a osmotically active particle what is water diuresis water diuresis means it is more than 7 liters urine dipstick should be negative for glucose urine osmolality should be less than 500 osmoles and urine specific gravity should be less than 1.010 all right so that should be the thing that means uh, for uh, it uh, the 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 water diuresis will show the symptoms of dilution because of the absence of the solvents so what are the causes of water diuresis let me tell you one thing again there is resistance to adh all right so adh means no free water would be absorbed so free water would be secreted more and there is no particular pathology of other uh, uh, no other uh, parallel pathology for the water loss for example mannitol therapy or hyper uh, hyperglycemia causing osmotic secretion of the water into the lumen of kidneys so nothing as such is happening what all the thing is ha- what all happening is free water which should be absorbed by adh is not absorbing free water which should be absorbed by adh is not absorbing so uh, so that means since the, the diabetes insipidus is a cause of water diuresis it is a cause of water diuresis so i hope i am clear with the water diuresis thing so what is the water diuresis what are the different causes of water diuresis first is diabetes insipidus both central as well as peripheral apart from it psychogenic polydipsia what is psychogenic polydipsia a patient or the person has uh, in uh, the person shows the uh, tremendous excretion of the urine but the on the parallel thing what what the problem is the patient is also drinking the enough amount of water that's the point so this is uh, so these three things are available with us that is central diabetes insipidus nephrogenic diabetes insipidus and psychogenic polydipsia so these three important conditions are to be differentiated by water deprivation test what is water deprivation test we will uh, we will tell you but before that let's have a look on the urine osmolality like central diabetes insipidus no adh no adh means free water free water will decrease the osmolality of urine so central diabetes uh, osmolality is in 250 nephrogenic diabetes insipidus remember here what we are seeing is uh, in, in central diabetes insipidus what we are seeing is 
less than 250 milliosmoles of the uh, urine urine concentration and for the nephrogenic it is 250 to 450 for psychogenic it is 450 to 600 milliosmoles of urine osmolality so what are what are we going to do is that at 4 am we are going to measure the baseline urine osmolality it is to be noted and uh, uh, for next 8 hours we are not going to provide any sort of water to the patient and in the meantime if the body weight decreases by 3% we have to stop the test at 12 noon we are going to repeat the urine osmolality if urine osmolality increases by water deprivation the diagnosis is psychogenic polydipsia and if urine osmolality is still low it is going to be diabetes insipidus if urine osmolality is still low after 12 noon give intranasal desmopressin on subcutaneous or subcutaneous vasopressin and check after 2 pm so if it is the receptor problem uh, if it is due to the loss of or the absence of adh the condition will improve automatically the condition will improve because as we are giving adh the patient will improve but if there is a receptor problem if there is a receptor problem and if we give desmopressin or adh analogs it is not going to work because the receptors are damaged so i hope i am totally clear let me do it again for you guys for at 4 am we are going to measure the baseline osmolality levels and uh, uh, baseline osmolality levels of the urine and up to 12 up to 12 noon we are not going to give any water by the meantime if the patient starts to lose weight then we are going to stop the test by 3% right and at 12 noon we are going to measure the osmolality if osmolality increases by water deprivation it is psychogenic polydipsia if the osmolality is has uh, not increased then we are going to give a desmopressin test on desmopressin we are going to give desmopressin at 2 o'clock and measure the urine osmolality at 4 o'clock on measuring on measuring during osmolality at 4 o'clock we are going to see the impact if the urine osmolality increases if the urine osmolality uh, if the urine osmolality increases that means there was a proper loss of adh so because that, that that's why on giving desmopressin the patient improved and if if it is a receptor based problem the patient is still not going to improve or it is going to be a very 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 non significant improvement all right or if uh, there is something between uh, good improvement and no improvement it is going to be partial central diabetes insipidus that means the patient has uh, has not the absolute deficiency but it is a bit not the absence but the absence, but a bit of deficiency for the adh all right so let us talk about central diabetes insipidus the the most common cause is pituitary adenoma functional non functional irrespective of it infiltrative cause can be the sarcoidosis hemochromatosis autoimmune etc infections can be the cause and trauma can be the cause genetic cause can be dimorph diabetes insipidus genetical form diabetes mellitus optic atrophy and uh, deafness it is the dimorph syndrome also called as wolfram syndrome which consists of di dm oa d that is diabetes insipidus diabetes mellitus optic atrophy and deafness the first cause was acquired stock effect cause stock effect stock effect cause we already discussed because of these particular conditions like adenoma infiltration infection and trauma second is pituitary infarction that is sihan but in that particular condition adh deficiency is very rarely seen but it is seen adh deficiency is very rarely seen but it is it can be seen and third is pregnancy because pregnancy consists or uh, the, the pregnancy produces a enzyme causing vasopressin is 
which causes lysis of this particle like enzyme what are the major symptoms going to be the major symptoms are going to be polyuria but the patient is able to drink water so there will be no presentation of hypernatremia we discussed for the hypernatremia to occur it should be two conditions that patient is not able to drink water and patient is not able to secrete adh but it is in a condition to do both of the things right so this is the way this is the point i'm talking about let's move ahead it was a central and let me talk about nephrogenic causes nephrogenic causes most important causes are drugs and most and apart apart uh, now out of the most important is lithium lithium demyclocycline amino glycosides amphotericin b but apart, apart from this lithium is very important drug. second uh, second uh, causes is chronic tubular interstitial disease because the adh resistance will come on to play because uh ads works on the p cells and if the interstitial cells or the particular cells are not functioning because of any pathology it will be a problematic condition for the ads to work for and the causes for interstitial disease can be jogren syndrome or sarcoidosis and autoimmune the four metabolic conditions that is hypercalcemia hypokalemia increased uric acid and hyperoxaluria and it can also be reflux nephropathy genetic causes genetic causes b2 receptor mutation b2 we remember v2 receptor mutation was to increase acth secretion right and aquaporin 2 mutation can be also seen so that was the thing we discussed about the uh, particular condition now let us talk about central uh, treatment so for the treatment central diabetes insipidus you know there is no particular increase in the body so we'll give intranasal desmopressin 20 micrograms we'll give it 20 micrograms dd we are going to give it 20 micrograms dd i hope my point is clear and for the partial we are going to give subcutaneous or we can use the drugs which were which uh, increase the secretion of adh like clofibrate carbamazepine etc right so that is the treatment for the central and partial for partial we are going to use different drugs or we can use aqueous subcutaneous vasopressin preparation and for central diabetes we are going to use intranasal so the important difference is for central it is for central it is intranasal for partial it is aqueous subcutaneous vasopressin to be given now peripheral diabetes insipidus for peripheral diabetes insipidus in a lithium induced diabetes insipidus is most important cause because what happens here is what happens here is uh, a lithium action takes place with enac cells all right it it takes place with enac cells which uh, causes a loss of which causes loss of potassium as well as hydrogen with more absorption of with more absorption of uh, e uh, the sodium things so we can use amyloride or triamterin action which can inhibit the enac cells other drugs which can be used for peripheral diabetes insipidus is thiazide why thiazides because they cause volume contraction and this is very important thing which we need because and it uh, but uh, on the very important side they will increase the responsiveness of the other parts of tubule what will what uh, would that help in it will help in the more absorption of water hence correcting the cause now let us compare two things that is siadh symptoms uh, syndrome of uh, syndrome of inappropriate adh with csws what is csws it is cerebral salt salt wasting syndrome 
two causes for hypernatremia hyponatremia both of them causes hyponatremia we know all right but how come cellular salt alteration syndrome is causing hyponatremia we'll have a look but let me tell you both SIADH as well as cerebral salt wasting uh, syndrome both of them are a cause of hyponatremia and both of them are associated with head injury okay so let us have a look how come it is going into the play so how come patient is going to present it is going to present with dehydration hypovolemia hypovolemic hyponatremia and it occurs 1 to 2 weeks after head injury it occurs 1 to 2 weeks after head injury and it resolves in 3 to 4 weeks and uh, what happens is in cerebral salt wasting syndrome uh, there are two different uh, ways the first is uh, due to activation of c type brain natriuretic peptide that is clp which causes natriuresis and diuresis that is so, so loss of sodium as well as water second thing is dysautonomia how come dysautonomia is going to work the, uh, they are going to cause uh, beta receptor damage beta 1 receptor damage due to which cg cells won't work no ras activity no sodium water absorption due to no aldosterone since no aldosterone no sodium water retention will take place so this was the thing and how come uh, differentiate between these two thing the cerebral salt wasting syndrome will present with polyuria going to present with polyuria hypovolemic changes it is going to be hypovolemic whereas siads patient is going to be euvolemic let me tell you this very uh, promptly it is going to be euvolemic and if the uh, cerebral salt wasting syndrome it is going to be a, a sort of you hypovolemic so it will show dehydration apart from which it will it has a late presentation it, it presents after 1 to 2 weeks management is fluids and normal uric acid level can be seen but whereas in siads there is no polyuria since there is no polyuria no hypovolemia the patient is euvolemic and when the patient is euvolemic it is uh, the patient is in no dehydration stage that is no dehydration and the injury presents immediately it presents immediately after head injury and uh, for more than 40, uh, the treatment is for more than 48 hours of salt water for the for the water restriction and the uric acid levels are decreased so this is sort of the more differentiation between a uh, cerebral salt wasting syndrome as well as as well as siadh one more thing i had uh, much more topics and were much more headings to discuss uh, below this particular sodium and water metabolism uh, of the body but uh, due to lack of time between you and me both of us both of us no, uh, don't have much of the time but i have tried to discuss the crux of the topic which is very conceptual so that for the reading it will help you to clear up your concepts in a very very better fashion and if i get time i'll continue with the same topic next time till then keep studying study hard prepare for your exams take care goodbye